Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. I'm Danny, one of the pastors here at Waypoint Church, and I'm joined by two of our Waypoint members and uh, special guests, you could say, and they have never been on the Waypoint podcast, right? Yeah, That's right. As far yeah. as I can tell. Okay. So this is... First Bri- time. First time. This is Brian and Savannah Grasso. They have been married for four years. They have two boys, ages three and one, and actually the boys have joined us in the studio this morning. So if you hear some fun noises in the background, that's that's them piping in, giving their their thoughts on... Mm. Uh, they're deep theologians, I can tell by their fig uh-huh. bars. But no, so glad to have you all here. And uh, today we're going to be talking about generosity and charity, and this is something that's close to their hearts and that they've been involved with for a long time. But before we start, we always like to ask an icebreaker question. So for for y'all, I want to ask, if you were to have a date night with free, amazing babysitting, like the kind of babysitting you don't even have to worry about, you just know they're take, your boys are taken care of, and it's 100% paid for, where would you go? And I don't think they discussed the answers with each other before, no. so this is fine. <laughs> we, we have not. So, we have okay. not at all. So where Stay would you go? Off. I have okay, my thoughts. So but. I'm assuming that teleporting to Paris is not an option. <laughs> I, I like teleporting um. to Paris. There is a direct flight from RDU and back, and oh, you do okay. have awesome babysitting. So. I mean, how long do we have, you know? Yeah. Um, but if we're sticking to Durham, then I would say every year American De- Dance Festival comes to Durham, and they have mm. this dance company that always comes called Palabolus. Okay. And they're my favorite dance company, so going to see them... And the evening, of course, would also have to include ice cream at Ah, some point. Yeah. All right. I'm glad that's what you said, because I think our date night ideas could be complimentary. We could do all of them. Mine was just to go to Glass House Kitchen, because uh, the food there is just really, really good. And it's expensive. So if someone else was paying for it, that would be (laughs) ideal. All right. So I want to join you all in this adventure. (laughs) Are you a dancer or something? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah, in high school. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So this is something. That, yeah, that's cool. All right, I love it that y'all have well thought through answers, and I'll pray that God will open the door one day <laughs> so that you get this awesome babysitting and and can do and can do these things as a couple. Awesome. All right, so we can get to know y'all a little better, uh, just because this is a podcast about generosity and charity, but it's also getting to know you you guys mm. as a as a couple and as individuals. And so, tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey, yourselves, your spiritual journey, where you met. And what your life's been like since then? Sure. So. Um, maybe I can go first for this one. Sure. Yeah. So I am from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, came up to North Carolina to go to college at Duke, and that is where Savannah and I met. Um, freshman year at Duke, we were both involved in the RUF campus ministry. Uh, we started dating our sophomore year, mm-hmm. got engaged our senior year, and then got married a week after graduating. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> then lived, have lived in Durham um, since then, well then now Hillsboro, uh, where we moved this year. So yeah, in the spiritual journey, um, I grew up in the church, um, in a Catholic church, um, and when I was in middle school, um, my siblings kind of became Protestant one by one, and then I also ended up becoming uh, Protestant. And I think that's really when I started a relationship with Jesus. Um, two kind of most influential things uh, in my spiritual journey early on were just reading a lot of scripture, um, reading it by myself, reading it in community and talking about it. Um, and then the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan was really influential for me as well. Okay. Yeah. How about you? Um, well, like Brian said, we met at Duke, and I grew up um, moving around a lot, but mostly in North Carolina. Um, 
and I did not grow up as a Christian. So uh, my family was sort of agnostic, a little bit um, transitory, and um, it took me a while to figure out what I thought. And I became a Christian right at the end of high school and into college. And oh, wow. yeah, That's RUF was where I made really strong Christian friends who taught me who God is and, and really why I need him. And awesome. um, yeah, so. Well, praise God. That's really cool. Um, now, Brian, you are the CEO and founder, co-founder, or founder, co-founder, co-founder yeah. of a of a ministry called Simple Charity. And I'm going to read the definition of of Simple mm. Charity. There, what it says on the website: Simple Charity is a nonprofit organization inspiring Christian students to grow in solidarity with people experiencing poverty mm-hmm. and injustice. And I just want to know, how did you come to start Simple Charity? Yeah. Like, when did this happen? And yeah, how did God lay it upon your heart? Sure. Yeah, yeah CEO, that makes me sound a lot fancier than I am. Anyone can be a CEO if you pay $100 to your Secretary of State to start a corporation. So <laughs> if you want to be a CEO, you could do that this afternoon. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, Simple Charity actually started as a high school club um, near Atlanta, Georgia, and it was a crazy group of students. So I mentioned uh, really being influenced by this Bible study that I was a part of in high school. And, um, you know, we just kept encountering kind of text after text around God's heart for people experiencing poverty and injustice. And we were like, gosh, we have to do something. And so we set this crazy goal of raising $100,000 to fight global poverty in Jesus' name in one school year. What is this like freshman year or sophomore year? Senior year. Oh, senior year. Yeah. Okay. So the thing was going to was kind of made to uh, uh, to self destruct. We had a leadership team of twelve seniors, so we kind of had like the most influential and popular <laughs> students of my high school uh, on this leadership team. And but there was no long term vision for it. It was like, okay, we got to do something. We have to respond to these texts that we're reading, where we learn that Jesus's heart for the poor is is so strong that he says, whatever we do for the least of these, we do for him. Um, and so we were just like, okay, let's just raise a bunch of money for charity. Um, that year, we did a ton of grassroots fundraisers, car washes, bake sales, um, you know, a battle of the bands, coffee house events, but anything you can think of, we, we did it. Uh, Is this a public school or a private school? A public school. Public school? Okay. But it's in Georgia, you know? So you can say like... A little bit of Bible Belt. Yeah. Hang, hang, mm-hmm. Still hanging around. Oh, okay. for sure. <laughs> okay. For sure. You know, the principal was like, you guys are awesome. You know, <laughs> and we had the... Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Um I don't even know if it would still work like today, you know? This was, gosh, 2014, 2015, and the world's changed pretty quickly. Um, but anyways, um, so that was the first year, and we ended up raising around $61,000 for oh, wow. um, global charities. And um, then the year after that <sighs> happened, um, I, well, first of all, I was totally burnt out which I think this is an important point for the conversation we'll get into um, later in, in the podcast, but I had no concept of, of boundaries. Um, I you know, thought through every minute of my time in terms of how much more money I could be raising for charity, and I, had, I couldn't answer the question, where's the line? You know, where, where does the work of justice and poverty alleviation stop, and where do we find uh, rest? Um, so I had no answer to that question. But the second thing um, that that happened was that half of the money we raised went to a charity that misused the funds. Oh, wow. Um, mm-hmm. And so I uh, found out about that. Years later, there's this class action lawsuit, you know, $70 million 
settlement. Um, And and so just learning that, gosh, it's actually really hard to give money. Um, Not just it's hard to let go of the money, and that's true, but it's actually hard to pick which charities to give to. (laughs) Um, And so that's been a big part of my journey too is um, finding where – the most effective places to give are, and then helping others to, to give to those those places. So that's kind of where Simple Charity has evolved to, is, is yes. raising up students to have a heart for generosity Yep. and helping them when they raise money or they have money to see like what, how to be good stewards of it. Sure. Well, all the while trusting God and knowing that if, if something goes wrong, you're not a bad person or whatever yes. so like the balance between that. that that's really so this has been a long journey huh this has been yeah i guess this would be 10 oh, years 10 years this next okay. year You've yeah so 10 year journey yeah so the simple charity started in 2014 um there's kind of like a proto simple charity thing in 2013 <laughs> where uh me and a friend uh bought a snow cone machine and would sell snow cones over the summer um, to raise money for charity. That that raised um, like three hundred dollars over the whole <laughs> okay. over the whole summer. And we thought, oh, well, we raised three hundred dollars, so why not go for a hundred thousand? <laughs> oh wow! And you ended up with a big snow cone machine in yeah, your parents' basement. I or something. still have the snow cone machine. It. It's crankable, so okay. it's it's uh, yeah. You should bring it to the trunk or treat. Uh, I should. Yeah, yeah. Kids, I think when you do it, cones. like bits of plastic fall into the. Okay, so it's not. Very. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really amazing how God's continued on this journey and and taught you along the way and given you grace as mm-hmm. is. So the heart's there. The heart's always been the same. Poverty yeah. and injustice, but right. He's shown you as you've matured as a person, and He's shown you ways to continue to this ministry. Mm-hmm. All right, Savannah. Now to you. I mean, again, most. You weren't, I guess you weren't the high school student trying to raise $100,000 to alleviate global (laughs) poverty and injustice. But when did you start thinking about generosity as as a vital part of the Christian walk? That's such an interesting question for me, not having grown up as a Christian. I think, um, I guess I could start by saying that as a kid, I was often a defender of vulnerable people or a protector, especially in my family. There was some turbulence there and I was often sort of standing up for siblings or whoever. Um, so that's always been a strong part of who I am and what I value even before I was a Christian, just taking care of the needy. Um, but it didn't translate into um, like a full picture um, until I became a Christian. And really, honestly, until I met Brian, because as we were talking and we we're getting to know each other, he was sharing about, you know, his heart for um, people who are in need, you know, and I was like, wow, that really, really resonates with me. And I just have never really thought about it. I'm so fresh in my faith and, you know, just reading the Bible. I remember doing, um, uh, this Bible study secret church, um, with, uh, David Platt, this like really long, it was like five or six hours, six hours Bible study where he goes through every verse in the Bible about, um, money. And that just was like, I had never read those verses before. So it, it sort of came for me um, as my faith was forming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really neat. Both of y'all kind of as teenagers, you a little younger, you kind of older teenager into mm-hmm. early adulthood, just kind of came to the Bible and started reading these passages and God mm-hmm. and other believers are part of this and other resources, but just God kind of showed you his heart Yeah. yeah for the yeah. vulnerable and his heart for justice through money and wealth and Wow. Mm-hmm. Praise God. I'm glad. This is cool for me us to hear because a lot of people 
you know, just out there, no, no high school students or no people. And you just think, well, their family's not believers or whatever. Keep praying for your neighbors. Keep praying for those around you that Mm -hmm. God would reveal his heart to them and, Mm -hmm. and use other youth or use other college students to, uh, to bring them in and, and show them the goodness of, of Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Yeah. That's really encouraging. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to jump ahead to this thing called journey to generosity. Cause I know that that's a little bit of where your story meets. I think y'all went on one of those as college students. We, or when we first so, got married, when you first got, oh, when you first got married uh-huh. and now Brian journey to generosity is a big part of your ministry. That's and right. you even all the way point staff, you led a journey to generosity, uh, Yes. event for us as Waypoint staff. So just share a bit more about Journey to Generosity and how that's helped Simple Charity and help you all as a couple and help your kind of your next phase of, of this ministry that God's in this mission that God's called you to. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to. So uh, Journey of Generosity, um, it, it, a lot of times people will call it a JOG uh, as like an acronym. So I'll just refer to them as JOGs. Um, they're a a event that is designed by a ministry called Generous Giving. And it's maybe a 20-year-old ministry, but it exists to see the generosity of God displayed through the generosity of God's people. And so one of the things I like to say at Generous Giving is that generosity is the most powerful apologetic that we can have as believers. Um, and that's something I really, Amen. really believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the idea behind these retreats is to take 24 hours, um, or you can just do it in one day, you know, over a nine-hour period, um, to just encounter what God's word teaches about generosity, but also to learn about how generosity flows from the gospel, um, and then to see stories and examples of people wrestling with how to put these things into practice in their own life. So most of the time is uh, watching really interesting stories and then discussing them. And the stories have a way of kind of provoking I wonder what this would look like in my life um, to grow in generosity. And and the word journey there is really crucial because um, these are complex issues. You know, I think we'll talk more about this too. But, um, you know, where, where do we draw the line? How much giving is enough giving? Um, you know, where do we have to prioritize our family? You know, we're married. We have two kids. And that's obviously a huge responsibility that God has given us. And so um, how do we think through those things? But what what the jog does is it lets you see stories of people who have uh, gone before and wrestled through those things and just give some kind of moral exemplars. Um, and I think that's honestly one of the most helpful ways of teaching and learning is because, you know, you're like, oh, well, this is what uh, the Holy Spirit was leading this person to do. You know, I wonder what the Holy Spirit might be leading me to do and how this maps onto my family. So, yeah, so those are those are called jogs. Anyone can go to a jog. There's a new initiative that I'm a part of in Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill called Generosity Triangle that's just trying to do a bunch of these jogs locally. And they have this great multiplication model. So if you go to a jog, you can check a box and sign up to become trained to host and facilitate a jogs a jog. And uh, all the jogs are volunteer led, um, and so it's a great source of impact because you're you're helping people grow in their faith and their walk with the Lord. But you're also uh, you know hopefully unleashing funds to serve the poor and to um, advance the kingdom. Yeah couple thoughts on that. One is I went through the jog and I checked the box and she emailed me back and I forgot to email her. So I will email her. <laughs> but another one, as I was thinking about Waypoint Academy, like we're mm. trying to do core teachings for our, our folks. But I think this would be a good one to add 
that we would like challenge everyone to be a part of just just at least once and you you may not need to teach it later but yeah yeah it was great for me and i've been around the bible my whole life i'm you know i love teaching the bible and and just to go to it so yeah it was very very impactful impactful for me Mm -hmm. uh to to think through as an american so how about you savannah how when you took it like what how did you feel like what types of like yeah just just how did it impact you yeah, I think the format is really impactful. Um, the way that it's videos of people, like Brian said, who have sort of wrestled through this in their own lives and they're showing you what's working for them and, and how um, God is leading them. And I think that we resonate more with stories and we're able to sort of envision a different kind of lifestyle for ourselves when we see someone else's. And um, that helps you come with new eyes to what the scripture says, because you have an example in your mind. So I think the format was really striking for me. And then I think also it came at a really good time for us just as we were just getting married and like figuring out budgeting and like trying to decide what we were going to prioritize and all that stuff. So um, yeah, I think, it was just really helpful for um, having a fuller picture of what your financial life can look like mm. without it being prescriptive because right. the jog doesn't tell you what to do. It just shows you what some people have done and it helps you um, take some time to listen to the spirit. Okay. So where does the jog and simple charity and how you're this journey you've been, so you're talking yeah. about a journey and journey. We're all on a journey. We're sanctified. God, mm. sanctification. We're all being sanctified. We're all learning to be more like Christ. Hold on. We have a kid that might unplug the uh, <laughs> podcast, the podcast cord. It's, our technology is a little more high tech that Peter has taken over faster. Peter Fry, but and it's very s- interesting for our one year old. Yeah. But the one year olds <laughs> are looking at all these mics and cords and, and being like, wow, I'd love to touch that. <laughs> But so, so where's the, yeah, as you've grown, y'all have grown as a couple, Brian, you as leading the ministry kind of in the day to day and Savannah, you're supporting him in that. How has Simple Charity grown so that you've, you've added, I mean, just helping students deal with this early, right? Obviously a jog might seem like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to deal with it when we're 30 and have... $50,000 in our savings account. That's (laughs) when you go to the jog. But Simple Charity is kind of like starting 18-year-olds to begin to think about this, 19-year-olds in college. So, yeah, what's been your journey and how have where are you at now with Simple Charity and and leading jogs? Yeah, sure. So um, the Simple Charity story has been one of a a succession of miracles. Um, and I do not use that term very <laughs> lightly. Um, over the last four years, um, it's honestly just been um, pretty wild, just the ways that the Lord has provided for Simple Charity and given us opportunities to do ministry. And um, so the latest opportunity has been um, uh, a partnership with International Justice Mission, which is a global... Sometimes um, called IJM. IJM. You all might have heard that in churches and other other Christian realms, a great ministry. Yeah, Yeah, wonderful ministry. Um, So they do anti-trafficking work. They work to protect people who are in poverty um, from everyday violence. And um, they reached out to us last October and said, hey, um, 
we would love some help with growing our college chapter program. So they have um, college chapters on 40 campuses around the country. Um, and so at the time we had five college chapters, they had 40 and they essentially said, Hey, would you mind your team, um, supporting our 40 college chapters of being kind of the main, you know, providing some leadership and direction to them. Um, and, and you had no previous, no previous with them. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Definitely. God just blew open the door. God yeah. blew yeah. open the door. Wow. So now a lot of my job is supporting these 40 IGM chapters and five simple charity chapters. So these are kind of ongoing presences we have on campuses around the country now um, of communities of students who are learning, serving, and giving, um, and really encountering um, you know, what God teaches about um, caring for people who are poor. Um, and so we have an opportunity through this partnership to do Journey of Generosity retreats on these campuses. So one of the top goals we have in our strategic plan over the next few years um, is to get up to doing 100 jogs with college seniors every year. Wow. So we want to basically multiply this out, um, have it be volunteer led. You know, obviously I can't do 100 jogs <laughs> or our team is not very big. You know, we can't. Um, but um but to grow um, into that through a network of volunteers. And for a little context there, you know, there were 400 or so jogs that happened around the country last year. So an extra 100 jogs will be uh, hopefully really pushing this message into the church. I mean, it's such a needed, crucial message um, for the, honestly, for the legitimacy of the witness of the American church in the 21st century. Um, there's declining trust in the church. A lot of people are talking about that. Lots of Barna studies on this. And what our th thesis is that the next generation doesn't just need good ideas, um, but they need a church that embodies an apologetic of action. And so what does it look like um, to, for the church to really be the church mm -hmm. and to be on the forefront of advancing justice in the world um, instead of lagging behind. Wow, praise God. All right, so we're gonna move on to some practical stuff, but before we do, what are one or two Bible verses that have stuck with you through this whole, your personal journey or some that got, you're just reflecting on now, just that God's been teaching you or you've just been reflecting on? Um, well, I know some of uh, Brian's favorite ones, so I'm not going to do those Okay. because <laughs> uh, we did not talk about this beforehand. But um, I think for me, you know, it all starts with um, being grateful mm -hmm. um, for what God's given to us and then trusting that he sees us and he knows mm -hmm. what we need. Um, and the Bible just has that just written all across the entire story of the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, but I think one example that really... <coughs> Um, sticks out to me um, that's helpful when I get tired because I think I have those ideas but sometimes I get tired you know mm -hmm. um, is in James James 2 14 um, and it says what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also by itself, or faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And I know that pushes us into this whole conversation about faith yeah. and work and all that stuff. And that's not what I'm trying to get into. But those I'm... passages are totally reconciled. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not trying to get into that because yeah, I yeah. think we all understand 
Yes. How that works. But I, I just find that really encouraging because this is a concrete example. You know, you have someone in your life, they need something. Your faith is motivating you. Your trust, your love, your gratitude for God is mm-hmm. motivating you to take care of that need. And mm-hmm. you see it and you take care of it. And, and that's how you know that you are living in faith. And that's one really great lit- litmus test, mm-hmm. you know. And so to me, verses like that, that sort of kind of encourage us with specific examples to care for people are really, really encouraging. Amen. Yeah, I... As the CEO of the charity, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just Stick like to say <laughs> We're all going to go online now, Waypoint Life Hacker. You can just become CEO of your own company now. Yeah, now you we can. know how. So. You can. No. Anyone can do it. No, as, as someone who's been um, in this world now for almost 10 years, yeah. Know, what are... What are what did you originally got you here or what are you, what are you still learning? Yeah. Has God sure. taught you? Um, okay. I'll give you some scripture references that you should go look up if you haven't read them. <laughs> and then I'm going to share a, a new thought that's been really compelling lately. Um, so if you haven't read them, Matthew 25, um, first John three, 16 through 18, second Corinthians eight and nine, I would say start there. Um, The thought that has been really compelling to me lately is actually inspired by a quote I read um, by a guy named Mark Cortez, who's um, a Wheaton professor. He specializes in theological anthropology, which who knew that was a field of study? (laughs) Um, But the quote's about the glory of God. And um, Dr. Cortez, he says, imagine I take a picture of you and it's a really good picture. It looks just, just like you. And you're like, wow, this looks just like me. And everyone in your family says, oh, this looks just like me. And he says, imagine then I take that picture and I hang it up on my wall. You know, that's a nice, nice thing to do. And then he says, and then imagine I take a knife and I jam it into the picture on your nose, right between your eyes. And I just keep stabbing the picture over and over and over and over again. And He's like, you know, would you be offended? And I think most people would say, of course, of course we'd be offended, you know? <laughs> and then he says, well, why? You know, why would you be offended? It's, it's just a piece of paper on the wall. It's, you know, um, but you know, it's not just a piece of paper. It's a, it's a picture. It's an image. Mm-hmm. And it's an image of you. Um, Danny's nodding like he sees where I'm going. I, I know where <laughs> I got it. I got, I'm catching it. Yeah. So. And then so I think the reality of, the world and a fallen, the fallen world that we live in is that poverty and injustice are like Satan taking a knife and jamming it over and over and over again into an image of God. Um, and, and so if we care about the glory of God, then we will love our neighbor, you know? And so, um, because if we care about the glory of God, then how can we let poverty and injustice just you know, like just, just wreak havoc on the, you know, I think one way to read the story of the Bible is that it's a story of the central conflict is the marring of the image of God and God reconciling people to himself and restoring that image for his own glory and then being glorified even through that whole process. And so I think that's really been just, you know, not going to a specific text there, but just kind of the, the big mm-hmm. picture, big story of the Bible. It's, you know, we're here to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And we all have a role to play in that, a specific role. You know, not, none of us can change the world, but we all have a small part to play. And if we care, if we love the glory of God, then 
our hearts will be broken when we see the image of God assaulted by um, mm. poverty and injustice. Mm. Wow. Thanks, y'all. For me, just I'm going to say mine. One is I remember sitting in an Old Testament class. I took a, like a class through RTS, even though I went to Gordon-Conwell, just, and Bruce Walkey, older, wise guy, and he's like, yeah, the unrighteous person in the Old Testament from start to finish is the person who doesn't care about the poor and mm-hmm. give justice to mm-hmm. the poor. Like, that's the unrighteous person. Yeah. Like, you, you can come up with all different kinds of things if you want to say, but if you want to, I, I can't teach you the Old Testament and not say that's that's the yeah. the person. And I think that yeah. bleeds over into the New Testament, and I think it's very easy for us as American Christians to to kind of want to, like, skirt around that or, or mm-hmm. dodge it and say, no, it's your heart, and it's not about, you know, it's, and it, it is. Jesus wants our heart but how we treat others and how we think about justice is a reflection of our heart so right. if, mm-hmm. so I, I think they're they're intertwined and yes god wants us to be moral people who follow all the laws but if if we're doing good things and not and following these certain set of laws but turning a blind eye to injustice yeah it's it's equal in god's eyes and i think as americans i grew up in the prosperity era of america between 1950 and around 2008, I don't mm. think there's ever been a wealth increase ever in the history of the world is what America experienced. Yeah. And that's what I grew up in. That's my Christianity is based mm. on pull yourself up by your roots, drops, and everything will be okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then 2008 kind of collapsed and really brought people to ponder a lot about who we are as Christians and how we, as American Christians, think about injustice and wealth and poverty. So mm. it was good for me. And then the other one is just... And the Sermon on the Mount, literally, Jesus stands up and teaches. Mm-hmm. And he sa- in the Matthew account, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So Americans like that one. <laughs> right. But in the Luke account, he just says, blessed are the poor. Uh-huh. Right. And they're, they're intertwined. But it, I would kind of grow up, yeah, like, this is more about the poor in spirit, the ones who need Jesus. Yeah. That's who we should really care about. And it's the liberals who care about the poor. That's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and then I list, as I'm going to non-liberal seminaries, they're like, no, no, no. Jesus cares about the poor, right. and let's let's not let other people hijack the most a beautiful element of what it means to be a church. So thanks y'all for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're gonna move in a little practical because I know a lot of y'all at home are probably like, okay, thanks. I I knew a lot of this stuff. Mm. So how do we think as Christians about think differently about money, charity, and generosity? So where do we start? And I made a joke, but I'm gonna say it: tithing, budgeting, giving to the people at intersections. Mm. Uh, or Dave Ramsey classes, like like where do yeah. we start? Like how would you? Someone comes to you and they're like, I have no idea what to do. Yeah. Like where? What would you recommend? Where would you recommend somebody start? Yeah. Um, I'll just give my opinion. Uh, <laughs> and I, so this I wanna, isn't I in wanna wanna the Bible. This, this is yeah. just Brian's, this is Brian's opinion. opinion. <laughs> um, and. Um, yeah, and Savannah, you can share your your thoughts as well. I think I think the challenge the challenge with this conversation is that it truly is about the heart, and mm-hmm. yet our actions and the specific things we do with our lives shape our hearts, and our hearts shape our actions. So there's a relationship there, but goes both ways. But um, but I just want to say what I'm about to say is truly my opinion. I would say uh, my belief is to start with tithing. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of good reasons to do that. Yeah. Um, I think um, I, I 
have increasingly come to see tithing um, as uh, um, including like getting out of debt. Um, so I think if you have debt, like Savannah and I have some debt, <coughs> debt right now, um, and you know, student loans or whatever, um, like you're paying interest on that. If you <coughs> get out of debt, you can give more later. I think don't feel any guilt about that. Get out of debt. If you're in a lot of debt, probably yeah, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's another <laughs> group called Crown Ministries, which yes. is a Christian, a cr- yeah, fully Christian based. Dave uh-huh. Ramsey has some background Christian yeah. principles, but it's also once you get out of debt, then you can kind of do whatever you want. Yes, it. where Crown is like moves more toward what the gener- journey of generosity teaches for sure. But initially, they both teach about the same thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> And so, but I, I do want to say just a lot of people are in, are in debt, you know, a lot of young people, especially student loans, whatever. So I just want to say like, this is not a message of guilt, you know, that's the, the key thing is like, it, you know, wherever you are, no matter your income, no matter your expenses, no matter your debt, like this is not meant to be a message of guilt. Like this is the message of like the first and foremost, the grace and love of God for you. And then, um, looking for meaningful ways to respond to that by extending it to others. And so, yeah, I would say, you know, giving out of debt is a holy thing to do. You know, it's worthwhile. Um, and, um, but my caveat with that is, is never stop giving. Um, and so even if you're giving, getting out of debt, give, always be giving, you know, even if it's something, um, I, we need it, you know, um, and the Lord honors it. Um, and so, um, so I would say, you know, setting aside at least 10% of your income to the purposes of giving or giving out of debt. Um, if you're in a season, we're in a season now where we're like, we really want to just get out of debt so we can give more, you know? And so if you look at our finances, it's like, oh my gosh, are they even that generous? But, <laughs> you know, cause we're putting a lot of money towards debt. Um, but we feel like this is where the Lord is leading us now. Mm-hmm. And to your point, once we're out of debt, the plan is not to just endlessly accumulate. The plan is to get out of debt so that we can give more later. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the heart posture is like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's clear that we're called to give, but we have to be wise with our finances. Um, and so it's, you know, the gospel is not a gospel of guilt. It's a gospel of freedom. And, but it's also a gospel as being generous as we have means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, in addition to that, something that's really helpful is giving to someone, not just giving. Like you're not just trying to empty the excess in your bank account to check a box. Like I was generous today. Like giving is also about relationship. Generosity is about relationship. You're giving to someone, even if it's someone across the world you've never met. You're, you're giving to that person and that's what God wants when you're giving. He wants your heart to be invested in the recipient and in yourself as growing in generosity and in love. So I think like when you're looking at your budget and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I want to tithe, I want to give to the church. Maybe I want to give beyond that. Maybe I want to give my time in a special way. Maybe I want to do X, Y, or Z to be generous. Like who am I doing that for? You know, who am I in relationship with when I'm doing that? And I think that will help you narrow down your options and understand where your priorities are um, and, and stay motivated to keep giving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that Second Corinthians passage you talked about, which we're in a series in Second Corinthians, so we're actually going to preach on that soon. And that's going to kind of launch us as a church to really 
Second Corinthians is going to launch us into thinking about evangelism, even being ambassadors for Christ, but also being generous with our money. And these, so being look, be looking forward to that congregation as we move forward. But thank you, Savannah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think our heart, like, so it's a posture that seems like both of y'all are saying it's a posture of your heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but what you do but, matters. But what you, what you do matters. Mm -hmm. And it can be more than just a checkbox yeah. to release the guilt. It's not a releasing of guilt. It's like a joining in what God's doing yes. in loving people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I love that quote. Like, you can um, give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Oh, um, amen. Yeah. Okay, so that's the practical. And if you're if you're listening right now and you're in debt or you're struggling or you spend too much money, you just don't know what to do. Start you can talk to one of us. Like all the all the staff at Waypoint are trained in we're not trained in teaching the crown class, but we're trained in knowing where to go mm -hmm. and knowing where you are on the scale. If it's if it's student loan debt, we have some some things to point you in. And also you could connect directly with Brian if if you'd yeah. like and he can point you in the right the right direction. He's not going to be your personal finance coach, but <laughs> he could point you in the right direction for materials or resources mm, absolutely. To, to help you in, in this struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I, can we, I want to, so I, I also want to just say something, you know, to people on the other end of the spectrum. So, you know, we're young student loans, making ends meet, trying to be generous, you know, but there is a lot of people um, who have more than enough in this country. And, and I, I feel like I, I do want to just say, you know, um, that, that if you have more than enough, if you're, you know, if you're, if you have more than you can, maybe even more than you can reasonably spend in your lifetime, um, I really, really want to encourage you to go to a journey of generosity and just begin to explore what it would look like to take that wealth and to translate it into, um, the advancement of the kingdom of God. I mean, it is possible. I mean, um, and there's some great exemplars of people who, you know, I mean, when you're, you're giving less than a thousand dollars a month, um, for example, then, you know, it's, it's not too hard to find a good meaningful place to give to. But if you have more than enough and you're like, Oh my goodness, I have, I have a nest egg that's bigger than I can spend in my lifetime. And I could, you know, I could move a substantial amount of money, six figures or plus two different charities. Um, one of the things we're looking at doing is called simple charity advising, where we help people navigate how to really invest money strategically to advance the kingdom of God. And so looking at, hey, what breaks your heart, whether it's human trafficking or um, you know unreached people groups, and then how can we make a plan and a strategy to make the most of those um, of those funds. And so I will, I will say this, I mean, you know, um, yeah, a lot of people have more than enough. And if you do, I just want to encourage you, like, <laughs> I mean, it sounds weird, but I think it's good to aim to die with nothing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we all die with nothing, right? <laughs> um, but your but treasure you have is, there your heart will be yeah, also, right? right so. You know, <laughs> but you know, and it's good to give your kids some money and your grandkids some money. Those are noble, honorable things, but, but you know, 
but not too much money because that's actually bad for them. Yeah. And lots of research there. Um, but what's, you know, do you have a plan to die with nothing and to strategically invest that money into the kingdom? You know, there are urgent problems now. There are people dying from lack of clean water. There are people dying without the gospel. There's the decline of the church in America. And this is all stuff that we can actually use our money to, uh, to influence and to help solve. So Amen. a quick word for, for the people with more than enough. Yeah, so y'all please... <laughs> As you're listening, as God's stirring in your heart, if you need some just general like money advice, come talk to us. If if you if you're really in general for all Americans, the journey to generosity is a good place to start. And Brian mm-hmm. will be announcing those to Waypoint. We're going to start having more options for Waypoint people to to uh, to take those. So if you're listening and you're like, "That's me." please sign up for a journey of generosity. Mm -hmm. All right. So a little more practical. So what advice do you have for the American Christian who feels overwhelmed by how to be a good steward and generous with their money? So Brian, you've hit on this a little bit, so you don't have to hit on it much more, but just, yeah, just, just like one or two tips that simple charity gives when you feel like there's so much to give to, do I give more to mercy? Do I give 25% to mercy, 25% (laughs) Uh to evangelism? Just, just a couple, when someone comes up to you at a party and they're like, like, I want to give. I just don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, where do you start? Like, how do you start that conversation? Is it just go to Journey of Generosity or <laughs> is there something else? Yeah. So I'll, I'll um, if if they are, hey, I, I want to give. I have a heart for giving. I don't know where to give. Um, I would start by helping them um, just honestly hearing their story and then seeing how their story may lead to a couple giving passions. So um, an example of that, I had a, a close friend who walked away from the faith when I was in college. And so that's a part of my story. And I have this heart passion for seeing people in the next generation um, become Christians or stay, stay Christian. And it's a part of my story that God gave me. And so if I was um, you know, if I won the lottery and I was trying to figure out how to allocate a million dollars. Not by playing the lottery. He found a ticket on the floor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Um, you know, I would, that would be one of the things I would, I would give to is where are organizations really moving the needle to help young people um, stay in the faith? And so I would say, I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, God gives us our stories mm-hmm. and our, our giving um, connects our story to God's story. Um, and so in order to, I think, be faithful in our giving, um, it starts just by paying attention to our own stories. Amen. Yeah, I, I would like to add too, I think one thing that can be overwhelming is just practically setting the budget. And um, Brian and I have um, come across this organization, what is it called, Finish Line? Oh yeah, the yeah, Finish Line. Yeah, where you, you um, set a lifestyle cap for yourself. So you say, you know, I think my family really only needs X amount, um, maybe per household size, right? Like as children come along, that number increases, but we really only need X amount to be able to live um, in a way that is, you know, taking care of our needs and everything, but not excessive. Um, and they help you figure that out by looking at median income and all that stuff. Um, is this a Christian ministry or it is? Yeah. Yeah. Finish line. Yeah. So if you just Google finish line, you finish line pledge, pledge, finish line pledge. Yeah. And, and you can then say, okay, so this is the amount of money that we're going to pledge. We're not going to spend more than our cap. Anything beyond the cap, we're going to give. We're going to find ways to give it responsibly. But it also gives you freedom within your cap to spend your money. You know, And I think sometimes when you're 
trying to give and trying to be generous, you can feel guilty about spending money on things that you need. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you've set this budget and you feel good about it and it's been prayerful process, then you can feel free to spend your money when you need to spend it too. Wow. That's great. And my final question was going to be, and you've kind of answered it. So if you all have any additional thoughts, just the Bible talks a lot about greed and covetedness. Actually, it talks a lot about this. All the passages about sexual immorality almost yeah. in the New Testament, every time also has greed in it. Yeah. Mm. Every single time. I, I think James Shafter and I were looking the other day and couldn't find one where it just lists sexual immorality and not greed or covetedness. Mm. So it talks a lot about this, but it also talks about enjoying fellowship and festivals with each other. And, and how do we live in the tension of living our lives and enjoying our families and the culture God has us in? I mean, in America, if you sell your car to give to charity... You can't have a job and you have no more money yeah, to give to right. charity. So right. we got we should keep our cars here, uh-huh. even though some people in some parts of the world don't need a car. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, so how do? We, but but also not just needs, but also enjoying life and and yes. live enjoying our families and festivities. Uh, at the same time, knowing there are tremendous financial needs and poverty all around us and all around the world. So mm-hmm. any final Savannah? Thank you for sharing that. That was really good. Kind of that this finish line pledge is a. A place to start with that. Any any final yeah words of advice or thoughts on that? Yes, <laughs> lots of thoughts on this. Um, this is what you're a CEO of, right? Helping people process this. Yeah. Oh goodness. Um, I need a new job job title so people have lower expectations. Um, um, so real quick, I think I think one helpful distinction is between toys and tools. So, tools, tools, spend your money on them. They make your life easier. You can, an easier life means you can make more money, (laughs) you know, and means that you can have more time, which has an extreme amount of value. Our time is extremely valuable. Yes, you give more, you can let you give more. more, Yes. Build the kingdom. So, absolutely no hesitation in my life about spending money on tools that where the benefits outweigh the cost. Um, but as far as toys go, um, we need toys, you know, I mean, we, (laughs) like we actually need some, some element, there's a human need for, for some amount of toys. Um, and with that, um, there's a human need and really a gospel mandate to celebrate and to celebrate often. And this is how we hold on to our theology. I mean, if we aren't throwing extravagant dinner parties every now and then, I think it's, it can be, um, we're going to lose the metaphor in Revelation, you know, where mm-hmm. the whole story wow. ends with an extravagant dinner party. Yeah. Um, and so I think for us, um, you know, one of the things this looks like is that every Saturday we have friends over for, for dinner um, and we play board games and board games cost money and it costs extra money to buy extra food and, and all that. But we need that time of, of fun. Um, and, um, and the it's, I would say it's a biblical mandate. God wants you to celebrate. And the thing is too, with that is that as you celebrate and as you actually grow in gratitude, paying attention to like the amazing goodness of like a strawberry, (laughs) you know, like you don't have to actually spend a lot of money, uh, to, to enjoy the good world that God has gave it, you know, Mm -hmm. 
the goodness of God's world is everywhere. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. So finding low cost ways to celebrate and enjoy that goodness will actually open your heart to other people, mm-hmm. um, and will actually make you a more generous person, not just with your finances, but also generous in spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and we can't be. I mean, may we not be people who give money away, but are not generous in spirit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because that will just do detriment to our witness as well. Um, so that would be my response. It's a theological response. It's not an economic, like, I don't know the balance there, how much money is enough. I think those are just the wrong questions. I think Mm -hmm. the right question is, am I obeying and glorifying God? And part of, um, what it means to glorify God is to celebrate often. Amen. I think we're going to have another podcast called Tools and Toys. (laughs) (laughs) Dig deeper into this. Cause I think, yeah, I struggle. I remember, I literally remember listening to a sermon about, this guy who was like, sell everything, you know, back in the, yes, the 90s, yeah. like, go, go to the world. Don't we, buy coffee. People, Give it away. But the same guy also was talking about, like, creating art and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, if you create art, somebody's got to buy it. And it's yeah. a little excessive. Like, you know, like, yeah. so I, I felt like some of the messages I heard back in the 90s, like, were kind of speaking out of both sides of your mouth. Like, mm-hmm. so, and it's always this tension of how to enjoy the world and, and live in it, but also acknowledge the brokenness and. So we're going to have another podcast called Tools, <laughs> Tools and Toys. I love Stay that. Tuned. But thank you for sharing that. And so, yeah, Brian started the dialogue, but there's a long way to go. Savannah, you have any final thoughts on this or any anything else we've talked about? Yeah, I think just related to what Brian was saying, like when it comes to walking the line between uh, like enjoying the abundance of God's world and being self-sacrificial and giving, like um, hospitality and worship come to mind. It's like two really, really valid reasons to yeah, um, to enjoy some excess, you know? Yeah. And I think, like Brian was saying with our Saturday dinners, like the question is like, how can we invite other people in and bless them and love them while we enjoy this. So it's not like we're only doing it because we want to invite them in and bless them. Like we Mm -hmm. do, but we also want to enjoy it ourselves. And like, how can we do both together? So you don't just serve like bread and water. We don't, (laughs) no. no. (laughs) Although we do often have pulled pork because it's not that expensive, you know? So it's like some of both, but like, you know, and and then with worship too, you know, like how, how is this thing leading me to praise God? You know, I mean, like Jesus knew how to have a good time. He'd celebrate yeah. something that glorified God, like a wedding. He he would allow perfume to be poured out to worship Him. Like yeah. he, there there were valid reasons to like allow for excess. And I mm-hmm. think like having a purpose behind your your relaxation, your enjoyment of the abundance makes it that much more meaningful um, mm-hmm. and less likely to turn into escapism or gluttony or excess consumption. Just mm-hmm. making it just great for everybody. Wow. Well, thanks, y'all. The kids are, they they have wrestled (laughs) kids and the kids have been playing. So it's been an excellent podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your heart for for God's world and his kingdom and and for allowing us to to just see just a different perspective on how to think about generosity and and charity and giving. So thanks, y'all, for what you're doing. Uh, I'm going to pray for you at the end mm. of this podcast, just like I would bless, bless y'all as a family and bless y'all as you continue to share this message to others. Well, I just want to say thank you as well, just for Waypoint Church and the way that Waypoint practices generosity and, yeah. um, and it's just open to, um, really a life giving, but a, a countercultural message. Yeah. Um, so praise God. I think we thank God for this church. Yeah. Well, we thank God for y'all. Let me pray. God, I, I thank you for calling Brian and Savannah to this ministry and, and for laying upon their hearts uh, 
years ago and, and continuing them in that. And as they trust you, God, I pray that you just fill them with your spirit and that you just go before them. And God, for all of us at home who are listening, who just hear, just we, we know that America's wealthy. We know that we live at a time where we just have lots of resources, but we also know that it's complicated and that we just need to wake up each day and trust you. So I, I pray that as people process what they heard today, God, you just speak to them and, and guide all of us that we can be your kingdom people and that we can do this together and, and build each other up and point each other toward the hope found only in Christ as we you know, love, love you and, and love this world that you put us in. And we just trust all these things to you, Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, y'all. Have a great week.